Welcome to AEW Unrestricted. We're here, Tony, Shivani, and Aubrey Edwards, here with uh, one of my all-time favorite people. Before we get going with the interview, just want to say Unrestricted is sponsored by AEW Casino. Awesome game available on iOS and Android. You can download it now, play poker, take all of my money because I'm not as good at poker as I think I am. Super great. Awesome. We'll put a download link in YouTube and on the app, and you can check it out. Easy, easy. Anyway, back to this person that I love. Uh, Jerry Lynn is here today. Hey, Jerry, how are you? I hope you still love me. I don't have the game yet. I'll download it as soon as we're done. It's all good. All good. First off, Tony, how are you? I just skipped you. I'm, I'm great, Aubrey. Uh, it's great to be with you. It's great to be with Jerry Lynn and a little uh, inside baseball here. Right before we got on the air, I got a phone call from Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. Oh, that bitch. She, she said, no, listen to this. She said, what are you doing? I said, uh, I'm getting ready to do a podcast. And she said, I know. And it's with oh, Jerry Lynn. Yeah. <laughs> she said, she said, it's with Jerry Lynn. And I want you to make sure that the world knows that he is the reason behind the hardcore match. And he is the G-O-A-T of AEW. I couldn't do, I couldn't be where I am without him. So, Jerry. What a way to start our uh, podcast. Well, that was sweet. But, you know, it's they went out there and did it. They busted their butts. So, you know, and I'm I'm still learning. I'm still learning from all the other coaches, you know. So you never stop learning. And I, I've still got a lot. I still got a long ways to go. That was the sucky part about having to retire from wrestling because I didn't have a choice in the matter. My body said it was done. Right. And there was so many, you know, there was so many things I wanted to improve on. And, I, you know, so in that aspect, I wish I could still get in the ring. But sure. Can't. Sure. Uh, but let's talk about that match. Now, you are you were inducted into the Hardcore Hall of Fame in 2011. So you have expertise in hardcore matches. I don't think there's any question about that. What did you tell both women about the use of thumbtacks? <laughs> you know, I never... Even in my own matches and the matches that I coach, I would never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. And it's all up to them. And I always tell everybody, if there's anything you do not feel comfortable doing, don't do it because that's when something bad will happen. Right. So it's all up to them. So uh, like, when did you find out that you were the coach for this or were you assigned? Like how, how did that whole process work? Cause I, I know that we don't have a lot of coaches on the podcast often. And I don't think our listeners actually know what it's like to have a coach assigned your match and working with them specifically. Like how does this whole process work? Well, I still like to kayfabe. So I'll, <laughs> some things I won't discuss. Very good. I found out probably, I think about maybe, two or three weeks out. I'm not sure exactly because, you know, every time you go to TV and you're, you're watching, you know, 40 to 80 matches, the, the, the nights become a blur, but, uh, Oh yeah. So I think I, I found out, I think uh, it was either two or three weeks in advance. It's, it's a deal where I guess they like to match up coaches with, uh, people who've worked with them before. And you, you've done a lot of work with the women's division in AEW, correct? Not a lot. I've had oh, really? a few, but okay. no, no, not a lot. But I don't look at it in any different way. I just treat it as like another match. Some wrestlers and another match. I don't treat it any differently. So one of my favorite moments from that match, because 
even though I wasn't the ref for it, I still had my headset in. So I'm listening to you and Tony and everybody giving their cues and whatnot. And I think my favorite moment is hearing Jerry Lynn scream, pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it. Brit is bleeding. <laughs> and I just like look at someone and I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I think Bryce Remsburg was like, you squeeze real hard and you act like you're taking a shit and all of the blood just starts rushing to your face. And it's great. You just, yeah, you try and turn your face purple. <laughs> and I remember like Brit started wiping it away and you're like, don't wipe the blood, don't wipe the blood. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pet peeve of mine because then you've, bled for nothing because some you know even i told him i said if if you're bleeding i said don't let your forehead touch the canvas do not let your face touch the canvas because it'll wipe it all off and then you've lost the uh you lost the effect of building the drama and I'm, yeah when i mean years ago there was <laughs> I, I know i'm going on a sidetrack here but there was a lot of times like X-Pac and I, when he was still the lightning kid, we'd be doing indies up in the middle of North Dakota, South Dakota, Wisconsin, all over the Midwest. And early on in the show, we'd be in the locker room getting dressed and we could hear the people laughing at some of the other matches. And so we'd look at each other and go, well, we got to kick it up a notch to get the people back. So we'd add a chair shot and a little color. Mm. But it made a huge difference. You would just feel the heat rise in the building and you'd get them back. Uh, Jerry, uh, we've got uh, blood and guts coming up on May 5th. You know, if you're going to be involved in that or not, I have no idea. Okay. I haven't heard yet, but yeah, uh, well, that's going to be some hardcore stuff too, obviously. Oh with, boy. Uh, and that's going to be a, a tough one too, because there's so many people involved. Yeah. Right. Right. I'm looking forward to it though, because you know, like I told you, Tony, your, your voice brings back so many memories for me growing up watching wrestling. And I used to love the bunkhouse stampedes and the war games and all that, you know. So, yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. Well, for people who thought that Jerry was a little had aged, he obviously is. <laughs> he obviously is not as old as you think. <laughs> Since he grew up listening Actually, to me. No, I, well, <laughs> I, when I say grew up listening to you, I was already probably at that point when we got cable finally. Because I grew up in Minneapolis, so all I grew up watching was the AWA. Right. So finally, when we got cable in the early to mid-80s, then I could see every territory. So I was sure. in my early cool. 20s then. I wasn't, you know, a kid. Okay. I, but I, I, I still loved wrestling and was a fan. I'll never forget the first time the NWA came to Minneapolis. Ooh. I swear there was blood in every single match on the card. <laughs> it was at the Met Center in Bloomington. Jerry, I think I may have been the uh, the ring announcer during that show. I, I can't think. remember for sure. Yeah. I, so I know I was. Ago. Yeah. But even uh, I remember seeing Baron Von Roschke walking across the ring. Yeah. Getting color. <laughs> I was like, oh, oh come on, Baron. Yeah. Yeah. And years later, I didn't realize I'd be doing so many. I did a lot of road trips with Baron and Sheik Adnan and learned a lot from those two. Tremendous. So you would, we're not going to go totally into like your ECW history because I know that you can listen to that on your podcast, Front Row Material. But um, you did have a lot of memorable matches with RBD. And what do you remember about putting together matches with him? Because I know that if you have multiple matches with someone, you sort of have to make them different. Like, was there any sort of way that you approached working with him? Well, with him, it was, for me as a wrestling fan, growing up, I always hated watching two good guys wrestle. I wanted to see a good guy, bad guy. Right. And so when I was working with Rob, I wanted to make it exciting and something new and fresh for the fans to see two good guys go at it. 
and plus make it fun for me too. So that was the challenge there. And especially with that hardcore crowd. But uh, so what we basically did was, and a lot of people say, oh, they did the same spot all the time. Well, if you really pay attention, every time we wrestled, that spot got longer and longer and it changed, little nuances changed in the spot too, because we were trying to tell the story that we were learning each other's moveset. And it was a game of human chess. Uh, Jerry, listen, um, I'm going to go back to, to some old ECW stuff very, very quickly because uh, I want to talk about one of the great <laughs> hardcore spots that I've ever seen in my life. Don't know when it was. I'm, I know that the network has moved over now to Peacock. I don't even know if it's still on there, but by God, it should be. It's uh, your match with Steve Carino where you wiped the blood <laughs> off of oh him my God. on your face like war paint. Okay. I remember watching and going, oh, my God, is that a great spot or what? And talk about that. Was that did you guys come up with that or was that like spur of the moment? Uh, Jerry Land doing his own thing? No, I, I came up with it just sitting with a buddy in a bar. Yeah. Because, uh, and thank you, Tony. I, I appreciate that because I know you have seen everything. So I'm glad you thought it was a great spot. It was tremendous. <laughs> but uh, what happened was it was the match, or my feud with Carino was just starting. So we didn't have a lot of heat and not a lot of big, you know, not a lot of steam built behind the match or anything. It was, it was what I like to call a time filler match, you know. Huh. You know Okay. Which I use that very, what's the word, facetiously, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, um, because every match is important, but there's a certain matches, you know, every match cannot be the main or the semi-main, you know, some, yeah, the, the show is supposed to go on an emotional roller coaster ride, just like a match is supposed to. It's not every match is supposed to be a big blow off to a feud you know so i called it a uh, a time filler match but i always i always tried to challenge myself to even in those matches give the fans something to remember right and so and i'd always try and come up with something that had never been done in wrestling before and i'd never seen it and i was thinking at the time steve was bleeding a lot he always and did thought, yeah when it came time just for a little bit of fire i thought what can i do and i thought well I can, you know, take his blood and do like Braveheart and do the war paint, mm. you know? Yeah, but you took it a little bit further. You wrote dying. Yes. Yeah, D-I-E. My buddy said, this is ECW. This is hardcore. You got to right. do more than that. <laughs> so came up with the idea of writing die with his blood on me. So I called up Steve. I think it was about two weeks before the pay-per-view. And I asked him, I said, so are you going to be bleeding this match? And he says, no, Polly just wants a straight match. And I'm like, well, crap. And he says, why? What, what, what do you got? And I told Steve, and Steve loved the idea. He says, I'll call Polly. So he calls me back and says, Polly says, go for it. And so it was, it was one of the moments, too, like I said earlier. While I was doing it, you could feel the heat rise in the building a little bit. But once I turned and they saw I wrote die on my stomach, people were jumping up, throwing their fists in the air, screaming, and I'm looking around. I mean, then you could really feel the heat rise in the building. And I looked around, and I'm like thinking, what a bunch of sick bastards. And then I realized, I go, oh, who came up with the spot? <laughs> so, the sick bastard. <laughs> but it was, it was just one of those things where I always challenge myself, even if you think you're in just a so-called time filler match, give them something to remember. 
Right. I remember seeing that clip for the first time a couple months back on Twitter. I think you had shared it actually. And I'm watching this and I'm like, that's not Jerry Lynn. Like there's, there's no way. <laughs> One, the guy's got long hair. Two, like that's kind of like sadistic and evil. And Jerry Lynn's like the nicest guy. What the hell? There's no way this is him. Who's, who's joking with me? Like, no way, no way. It was just, it's so, such an incredible clip. And just like your face as you're doing it, you're just like, hey, it looks so yeah. good. So absolutely great. Whenever you step through the curtain, you got to put on the game face. And that's what I always did. That's what the first person that made me really realize that was, uh, well, Brad Reagans, who trained me, he taught me. He said, every time you go to the ring, you assume that there's someone in that crowd that doesn't know who you are. So the minute Absolutely. you step through the curtain, you tell them who you are. And uh, the first time I really saw that firsthand was when I went to the WWF to do squash matches back in probably like 89 or 91 or 89 or 90. And I saw Hogan in the back. And the minute he stepped through that curtain, it was like someone flipped on a switch. It was just like night and day. And that made me realize, hey, once you step to that curtain, it's showtime. Yeah, absolutely. So you won the ECW world title. I believe it was in Minneapolis, right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that, had, that Was that the biggest moment of your wrestling career? Because I've seen that match and um, that, that was pretty special that night. It was the loudest thing I've ever heard just about, yeah. except for maybe some pops at WrestleMania 17. But yeah, that, that was a, one of the loudest things I've ever heard. But it was, yeah, of course it was a special night. But there's, you know, there's a lot of other nights, too, that were special, too. Sure. So, I mean, uh, I can't pick one that's the most special because there's so many nights that have been special for different reasons, you know? Yeah, I understand. I get it, man. I get it. When you do a lot of stuff, right? You have right. special night yeah. after special night, and it's hard to really grab on the one, but you've had many of those. We're talking with Jerry Lynn now. We want to talk to Jerry about him coming to AEW and how all that played out. This is AEW Unrestricted. Tony and Aubrey here with Jerry Lynn, the wonderful, amazing Jerry Lynn. We've heard a little bit about his hardcore background and the advice and whatnot he's given to uh, our own talent. But, I, I mean, we want to know the story. Like, when did you find out about AEW and how did that whole process sort of happen? The very first all-in that the guys did it as a indie show. I had worked with the Bucks only once. It was the King of Trios tournament for Chikara and like other guys, like I worked Kenny years ago, I think up in Winnipeg. And so there's a lot of guys on the show I'd worked with on the indies. And when I was thinking about it, when I first heard what they were doing, I really admired what they were doing because I thought, you know, I've worked for every major company, but like uh, I was only with WCW a year, WWF a year, and the rest of it when I was with TNA, uh, Ring of Honor, I could still work indies. So the majority of my career was still on the indies. So I really admired what they were doing. So I called up the Bucks and I told them, I said, I really admired what you guys are doing here. And I said, could you, would you mind using me as a special guest referee? And they said, sure. So we did it and after the show, I was talking with them and they were, they didn't go into detail or anything, but they were kind of telling me, you know, yeah, we might have some big plans, you know, big companies starting up and whatever. And I've heard that story a hundred times over the years. Sure. Absolutely. So I just yeah. sort of kept it on the back burner. And then <clears throat> I think 
after the announcement of AEW, I called them up and told them, or I texted them, told them congratulations and all that. And then when I saw the All Out, was that the first pay-per-view? Double the or first pay-per-view was Double, double or Nothing. nothing. Yeah. yeah, right. I called them up again and I said, you would, I said, I really don't want to be in, in front of the camera anymore, but would you be able to use me as an agent or something behind the scenes? And they said, sure. And then that's when he said on the phone, he said, uh, by the way, have we sent you a contract? <laughs> and I said, no. I said, this is the first I've heard of it. <laughs> and he said, all right, I'll, I'll email you a contract, take a look at it and let us know. And that's how it all started. So funny that like so much stuff in wrestling is just like the brother brother agreement of like, yeah, sure. Come out. Like it's fine. And last minute, no advance warning. Like over the years, my wife would ask me, all right, uh, Sam flying to Philly. She says, so who's picking up at the airport? I go, I don't know. She goes, well, where are you staying? I don't know. I don't know. How do you travel like that? But that's, you know, I'll get to the airport. Someone will be there picking me up. And that's the business, right? Yeah. 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 That's the business. So, uh, uh, so you finally get to meet Tony Khan and how about that experience? Because as we know, Tony Khan is a wonderful person and can go, can focus on like 30 things at once, which is to me amazing. So talk about meeting Tony. Right away, he brought up that he would race home from school to watch me and X-Pac on Global. There you and go. And I'm like, I thought, I thought, <laughs> how old were you? <laughs> <laughs> but no, I think. Like you said, I don't know how he does it. You can tell his mind is constantly racing. Yeah. And I think he knows and remembers more of my career than I do. Because he'll remember. No question. Dates, who you wrestled, what venue, what city. And I'm like, how do you do that? He's an encyclopedia. Yes. But, you know, the Bucks told me, too, in advance. They said, Tony really wants to change the way a wrestling company treats its employees. And that is so obvious. Tony's got the biggest heart. Yeah. And this is, I tell people all the time, both in the business and outside the business, this is the best company I've ever worked for in my life. Yeah. Because you get treated like a human being. You're not just a Absolutely. Number. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, I agree with all that you're saying is that Aubrey and I talk about it. We sing the praises all the time of the company, not only from Tony, but from the, the whole structure that he has down with Megan and Margaret. Oh yeah. And, and I mean, just everybody is just wonderful. And the coaches that he put together, I mean, he has put together the company's put together a great, uh, uh, line of coaches, Billy Gunn, Dustin, you, Dean, obviously Dean Malenko. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and, uh, I know I'm going to miss some and uh, Cody obviously does a lot of coaching as well. QT does. CD, uh, CD, a uh, great behind the scenes. So you got to be happy with our coaching staff. If you can call it a coaching staff or just our behind the scenes support staff. Oh, like I said, when I see them pull their guys aside after a match, even if Arn or Jake and I'm not busy, I'll slide over there and listen because mm-hmm. I'm still learning from them. everyone looks at everything at a little different angle. So you're always learning, but always learning things really interesting because I feel like that's, something that's really important. I've heard before, like, if you're not learning anymore, you need to just leave because we can always be growing. We can always be improving ourselves and whatnot. Is there anything that you've learned in particular from the talent that's really stood out to you? I guess one thing I've learned, well, and it's different now because of social media and stuff, mm-hmm. is treating your, your 
character and your persona as a brand. Because I never did that. I never thought of myself as a brand and marketed myself very well. I just went out and got another gig and went out and wrestled another show. I never really thought about it that way as you are a brand and you need to market yourself more. So that's one thing I learned, but I learned it too late. <laughs> so. You were a, a, a top high flyer when you wrestled. Uh, talk about the evolution of high flyers because, uh, Jerry, the business has really evolved and changed. We have a lot of dives. We have a lot of flips. We have a lot of guys taking risks. Talk about that. Uh, Chris Jericho and I were talking about that. We're watching, I forget which match. It may have been private party or something. And we both look at each other and Chris says, can you believe years ago we were the high flyers? And I'm like, yeah. I said, this this business is constantly changing and evolving just like the X Games. Every year the moves get more dangerous and more spectacular and high risk. Right. Because I was just talking with someone. I said, if you look at my work years ago, I really what didn't do a lot of fancy stuff. You know, I... Uh, a lot of it was just basic wrestling moves and I would just figure out, I don't know, I guess I tried to figure out different little transitions and stuff, but I still wanted to make it look believable. Like it was a fight. I tried never to make it look like it was a choreographed Chinese acrobat exhibition. And I'm not right. trying to, I know there's one of my filters gone, but, uh, I learned in ECW because when I was in WCW at two o'clock in the morning, I'd get together with my, one of my buddies who wasn't in the business and we'd watch ECW. And I swore up and down. I said, that's one company I will never work for. And because they were hitting each other in the head with frying pans, microwave yeah. ovens, whatever they handed over the rail. But, you know, when the opportunity came up, Candido called me and said, yeah, Paulie wants to know if you want to come in for a couple shots. And I said, all right. I said, here's how much I want. And I said, one more thing. And Chris says, what's that? I said, I don't want some idiot hit me in the head with a frying pan. He said, no, no, no. Says, we got our brawlers and we've got our wrestlers. But I learned quickly that the business is constantly changing and evolving. And if you want to survive in it, you have to be willing to change and evolve too. So I, I learned early on, I was going to have to get hit with that candlestick. stick. Mm -hmm. I was going to have to go through tables, get, do a bunch of chair spots and stuff, which I actually enjoyed in some weird way, but <laughs> not the candlestick, but no, no, but there were certain things I would not change. And I would always mm -hmm. stick and adhere to certain basic principles, which I'm not going to say, because I still like to kayfabe. Yeah. But there are certain things like basic fundamentals, period, because gotcha. You can even see in other sports, like in baseball, uh, I've seen guys go to just reach down real casually and grab a ground ball and stuff instead of kneeling down on one knee and getting your whole body in front of it in case it takes a funny bounce. You know, there's stuff like that. Everyone wants to make the highlight reel instead of doing basic fundamentals. And I think there's certain basic fundamentals that you should always stick to in pro wrestling. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's one of the things that, like I particularly have learned from working TV is that there's so many little things that even though the business is changing, there's so many things that have remained the same. And we see that a lot in our matches. And I, I know I see it, I see it from behind people instead of from the front, but it's one of those things that you can sort of feel that the idea of what's old is new again, but also what is new is built on what is old. And it's very, very interesting. And I think it's valuable to have people of your mindset helping our talent. Well, and there's 
it's those little things. And it can be the littlest thing that will take you from being indie-rific to professional. Oh, man. Wow. Indie-rific. Love it. That's Wow. Great line. Uh, so uh, we've seen Matt Hardy come in, Paul White, Christian Cage, Sting, even Brody Lee came in, of course. Uh, some of the guys who really made a name for themselves uh, in other promotions, especially in the WWE. What, what's been like to uh, see you see that talent come in and succeed? Oh, it's great. You know, um, that's the one thing I uh, I can't stand about people that want to pick sides between companies. Yeah, me neither, man. Me away. It's like, what would you have against another company opening up and giving hundreds of people job opportunities to make a living and take care of their families? Absolutely. It just drives me nuts. So I right. think it's great that guys can still get work. And when this company opened up, it was the first time in 20 years that the boys had bargaining leverage. Before that, it was, here it is, take it or leave it. Exactly. You know? And I think what people forget is WWE has been around for decades and decades. NXT has been around for over 10 years. We've been around a year and a half. Yeah. So I think we're on to something here. Yeah. But it, so I think it's great that another company finally opened up because it's good for business. Competition's good for business. It makes everyone have to up their game and give a, and put out a better product. And I've run into this on the indies so much where the promoter will pick me up at the airport and start telling me about, yeah, there's another rival company tearing down our posters and blah, 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 you know, trying to kibosh their show. I tell them, I say, don't worry about that. You know what you got to do? All you have to do is one thing, run a better show. Yep. And and word will spread. You don't mm-hmm. have to worry about what they're them trying to kibosh your show. Just keep promoting it, but just run a better show. I think it's important just even from a talent perspective, be the best version of yourself you can be. Because everything kind of feeds into itself, right? Like everything makes <laughs> yeah. the product better. I, and it's a team effort too. So everyone should want to see each other succeed. Mm-hmm. I mean, even people like I've got friends at the other company. Like I want to see them yeah. succeed. I do too. Yeah. I mean, why I don't understand even other wrestlers wishing another company, you know, ill will. It's like, oh, aren't you happy not. that everyone has a place to make a living and take care of their families? It just drives, I just don't get it. Terrible people out there, Jerry. Yeah. Really yeah. Are. There are. There are terrible people out there in, in yeah. all walks of life. Those are the ones I want to ask. Do you really wish that this company would go under so no one would have jobs anymore? Yeah. That's, that's it's like, really? Is that what you really wish? Hey, uh, one more question. We're going to go to the fan questions. It's about, you, you made an appearance on Impact with Tony Khan. You were kind of yeah. like, uh, yeah, you were kind of like his... Oh, we kind of we kind of called it like you were his Pat Patterson. <laughs> Here comes Tony. Oh, and here's Jerry Lynn as well. Talk about that that day. That was kind of wild, wasn't it? I hope you were talking about my mind because that guy has a great mind for the business. Oh yeah, the, the greatest mind of the business. Ever. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, oh, it was fun. I mean, you know, it's, it's uh, you know, and I had to uh, be a company man and maybe do a little bit of uh, shenanigans, but hey. Team AEW all the way, baby. Yay, yay. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. This is Jerry Lynn talking with Aubrey Edwards and Tony Schiavone. Coming up, we've got lots and lots of fan questions. Oh, boy. Oh, Tons. boy. This is Aubrey and Tony talking to Jerry Lynn on AEW Unrestricted. A little bit in between segments, uh, Jerry reminded me of a little thing that he and I have. Uh, it's sort of behind the scenes. You could probably watch it on Dark. Yeah, I don't know. I'll, people will catch it and tag me in it on Twitter. But uh, 
I joked with him because he agents a lot of the, the tag matches that I end up uh, refing. And one time, I don't remember what it was, but I just said, like, I was going to leg slap on the tag rather than just clap both my hands overhead. I was just going to leg slap. So it still made a noise and it's not as noticeable, but it's definitely just like something we do. And even before the match, he's like, leg slap. And I'll slap it and he says, pop. <laughs> <laughs> and I absolutely love it. They we're just like able to make fun of ourselves and do all these silly things and still just have a blast. Cause like, I mean, dark, we're sitting around at 2 a.m. still doing matches and whatever we can do to make ourselves smile, right? Right. You got to, you always got to make sure you're having fun. I, I, that's one thing I always tell the students and stuff. And when I do seminars, I say, we always take our matches seriously. We always want to go out there and do well, but always make sure you're having a good time while you're doing it. All right. I, I want to get to this question first and Aubrey, it's way down on our list. And the reason I'm asking it is because it's a question that I have myself. And uh, so this is from at way past tense at way past tense on Twitter. And I'd like to know this too, Jerry, why did you, why did WCW have you wrestle in a mask, but then use your actual initials, Mr. JL, uh, for your ring name? It was my idea. The mask idea was my idea because I'd been, it's been, I think, what, seven, seven, seven and a half years since I broke in the business. And I asked Brad, I said, what do I got to do to get a break? He says, well, the business has changed. He says, it's all TV now. So it's all about capturing the viewer's attention so they don't change a channel. It's got to be something more visual. And I'd been going to Japan quite a bit and saw a lot of cool mask gimmicks. And I thought, no one in the States is doing a mask right now. Right. So I had I was working in a screen printing shop at the time, and I had a friend of mine in the art department uh, help me come up with a design. And at the time, the Power Rangers were huge on TV. So I thought, Let's come up with something that's sort of like Power Rangers and sort of like alien-like, like a little crossover between those two. And that's, he came up with that outfit. And it cost me $1,250 to get the outfit made because there wasn't a lot of gear makers running around back then. So I found a company, I think they were called Satin Threads. And they did everything from choir gowns to wedding dresses, you name it. So the labor was very expensive. So they made the actual first outfit. And then I sent pictures and video footage of me in the outfit and WCW. So that's exactly what they've been looking for. So the first night, this is only probably a couple hours before going live. It was, and I've talked to Kevin about this and I don't blame him at all. Uh, it was Kevin Sullivan and I, a couple other people there. They're saying, so what do you want to be called? And I'm throwing out these names like the Phantasm or the Cyber Knight or something like, you know, just throwing names out. <laughs> and Kevin Sullivan says, well, they said, well, we don't want to just slap a name on you without researching any copyright infringements. And this is two hours for the first show. <laughs> and Ke Kevin, so. <laughs> Kevin Sullivan was booking at the time. And he says, eh, what the F? Call him Mr. JL. And I just thought inside my head, this is the beginning of the end. I thought $1,250 down the drain. Oh, but I don't, I even told Kevin years later, we talked about it. You know, he, he apologized. And I said, Kevin, it's not your fault. I said, I was just, I wouldn't even say a fish in a big pond. I was like a guppy in the ocean because you had all the heavy hitters here. You had the NWO, Sting, Macho Man. I mean, you know, giant, you know, it was like, I was just glad to be signed. You know, so I don't blame Kevin. He had a lot on his plate. So that's how it all came about. 
Oh boy. I love that. It's like, Oh yeah, we just got to avoid copyright. Like that's always something that ends up happening in wrestling. A <laughs> uh, question from the Rex Wolf on Twitter. The best friends always ask guests onto their show for a Jerry Lynn story. Uh, do you have any top Greg and Dustin stories? God, not really. <laughs> because I wrestled them both years and years ago. Like when plasma, when Trent was still plasma for NYWC. And I asked him one time, I said, how old, how old were you when we first wrestled? And I think he said 18. I'm like, oh my gosh. And then Trent, um, Chuck, I wrestled a few times, like I said, years and years ago. And one was at, I remember vaguely at the stadium in, in Nashville. It was just a small room that held probably about 50 people, but it was always fun there because the, pe- the fans were there just to have a great time. But so I don't really have any stories that I guess when I finally got to be on their show, I was kind of in shock because the majority of the show was them talking about going number one and number two. And <laughs> I'm like, this is what your show is about. <laughs> I mean, so, yeah. <laughs> OK, so this is from another random Mike on Twitter. Uh, and I hope you're ready for this one. Here we go. Uh, are you contemplating a return to your role as the whole Refn show to ensure Dr. Britt Baker has an unbiased run towards the AEW Women's Championship since the current crew is obviously complicit in preventing her from achieving her true potential? That is from at another random Mike who is either uh, Britt in disguise or somebody from Pittsburgh. This is bullshit. So it sounds like they're asking me to ref so I can cheat and help her win. Is that That's what they're what saying? That's what they're asking, yeah. <laughs> So I, no. just, I, just thought I'd, I thought I'd hand that to you so you could just take it and swat it and knock it right over the fence and we could get to the next one. So. No, I like staying Woo. behind the camera now. Nah, even to be a ref now, I'd have to start counting like a horse with my foot. You know, I, getting up and down real fast isn't in me anymore, I don't think. Gotcha. So I like staying behind the camera. I like, think when Arn was the preparing for his guest referee spot, we're like, are you going to do the stomp? And he's like, no, nah, I can't get down. I'm just going to like point and count. It's like, huh, put a little, <laughs> put a little twist on it. I like it a yeah, lot. Save your hand. <laughs> uh, we got Gilmore guy on Twitter. Is there one person currently not spotlight on dynamite or dark that you're helping whose growth and recognition you're excited to see? Anthony Ogogo. He's, oh, asked, yeah. he's hit me up a lot about the business and, psychology and different things so i'm really looking forward to where he goes yeah he's really athletic he's got a lot of potential doesn't he yeah yeah and that his punches look scary too when he gave i know cody that <laughs> shot in the midsection i was like ooh, oh uh, i know yeah i feel the same way i feel the same way okay uh let's go uh let's go back up to dr scott kelly on twitter Whose idea was it to include you in the boy band skits on Sammy Guevara's vlog? <laughs> and did you develop your own ideas for that? I think it was Sammy's. Sammy's and Charlie's. Because Sammy, every once in a while, says, you got time? You got time tonight to film something with me? And then Charlie, he was all excited to do the boy band thing. So it was their idea, which I'm always game. I, I want to have fun. Sure. Right. And we yeah, we do have fun backstage, all the different things we got going on. Yeah. The yeah, hardest part was the wardrobe. We at the last minute, we had to scrounge up a baseball cap and sunglasses and a chain, and and then had to have a flashy jacket. And so, 
<laughs> I looked at the rack and there's Brit's jacket. And oh my uh, God, I couldn't get my arms down. I was like Ralphie's little brother on the Christmas story when he was all bundled up going to school. Like that. I was like, I was so afraid to rip her jacket. <laughs> As a matter of fact, that's one of our questions, Aubrey. The next question from Rhonda W. How did you manage to fit into Dr. Britt Baker's oh. ring jacket? Ha ha ha. It wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. Yeah. And I was so scared I was going to rip the thing. Oh, boy. Sandra would have. We made it work. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I cap on Twitter. Aside from doing a no bump match with Lance Storm, what other strange things in your career have you done that fans might not realize? Strange things in my career? Like in the ring? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying to think. Okay. I've told this story quite a few times. Uh, because and it's basically a lesson about knowing your your audience because different parts of the country, the fans are going to react differently to different things. And then there's certain indie promotions that might, you know, the majority of their matches might be death matches. And I've done a lot of work for IWA Mid-South years ago. And I a lot of times I was the only normal match on a, a death match tournament show or something, but right. <laughs> so you knew you had to kick it up a notch, but I just, you know, I didn't mess around with glass or barbed wire or stuff like that. But so it, this is a lesson in knowing your crowd. It was in Northern Georgia and I was working, the promoter wanted me and Elix Skipper to go out there and do like a 20 minute X division extravaganza. And I'm thinking this is in the middle of nowhere, in Northern Georgia, I'm like, you know, and there's a lot of times you're stuck with the guy paying you, asking you to do something. You got to go out there and do it. So we go out there, and I think it was either, I think it was right before us, there was a girls match. And so we go out there and we do a couple of our, you know, X Division opening double face off spots and nothing, just crickets. And I hear someone in the crowd yell, we bring back the girls. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, and I knew they weren't going to dig this type of a match there. So I, I told Elix, I said, just a minute. And I walked over to the ropes. And this is when I still had the long hair. And I said, who wants the girls? And one guy points to his buddy. And this other guy is raising his hand. I said, you want the girls? They go, Yeah. So I flip my hair and I do a big snap and a pose and the place erupted. I looked at Elix and I said, it's comedy from here on out. <laughs> oh my God. That's brilliant. I mean, you know, sometimes you don't, don't fight it. And, and this business, what makes it special is it's a give and take relationship with the fans. There's no other sport. There's no other business on the face of the earth like this business because it, because of the, it's like an intimate relationship between you and the fans and you feed off of each other. So there's got to, yeah. you know, you're going to find out there's going to be times they're not buying what you're giving them. And you got to adjust a little bit too, even though you still want to control their emotions and take them on that emotional roller coaster ride. But they're, it's a give and take relationship. Yeah. Elix is a very underrated talent, wasn't he? Mm hmm. Yeah. Kid was really good. Uh, okay, so this goes to uh, from uh, Papa underscore who on Twitter. Papa underscore who. Did you pick your uh, ECW theme song or was it given to you? You seemed to enjoy it when you came out to the ring. I picked it. It's funny. Yeah. Because, <laughs> you know, back then I was big into metal and I wanted something that would get me fired up right before I went to the ring. 
and you know it's nice to have that extra little oomph. So, and that was a song I liked because it was just a short little do 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 at the beginning, and then busted the curtain on that big death metal growl. And it's funny when I first said I wanted to use it, Randy, the sound guy, said, "Polly says it's too hard." I said, "This is ECW." <laughs> so it's not going to be too hard. And so they let it stick. So, and then I think it was, God, maybe, a, I don't know, maybe a year or so after I was using it, I was living in Orlando at the time and I went to go see Fear Factory actually play at the House of Blues. And so I got to meet them and, and I told them, I said, I hope you guys don't mind me using your music. And they loved it. They love that I was using their music. So I kept in touch with Dino, the guitarist, after that. And he actually, I actually, because he lived in L.A. And so when we did that pay-per-view in L.A., I got him on the guest list and had him come out and hung out with him a little bit. But so that was nice of him to let me use their music. Super awesome. Uh, we have a question from Martin on Twitter. What's your best memory from your TNA run? Oh, wow. That's tough. I guess the best memory was I loved the feud I had with AJ Styles. Mm. It was a fun feud. So we got to do some cool stuff. I guess the whole feud, I couldn't pick out one moment. I guess one moment in the feud that really sticks out is when I jumped him at the, uh, the white trash cafe. Cause that was different. <laughs> Cause I loved the way early on in TNA, when we had our feud, we would continue the angle with stuff like that. Like, I had uh, Goldilocks come with me with the camera guy and I went and hunted AJ down at the cafe or right. we'd be fighting back and catering in the building and stuff. And so it just reminded me of like when the four horsemen jumped dusty in the parking lot and stuff. And I always liked stuff like that to continue the angle going in between matches instead of two guys in the ring on a microphone trying to out funny each other. Jerry, uh, your class act buddy and everybody who works with you knows that. And uh, I think it's a great decision to have you backstage with us. It really is. Thank you. I always hoped I made enough friends in the business someday where I could still have a job somehow when yeah. I couldn't wrestle anymore. Well, apparently you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. And it's good that AEW has opened up to let good people have jobs. And I think you would agree that backstage is wonderful. Oh, it really it's, is. it's amazing. Even, uh, like you said, a lot of the other stars who have come here and even extras who've been in both companies, its they say it's like night and day. And you and I both know that. Oh, absolutely we do. All right. Uh, thanks, Jerry. You can follow him on Twitter at It's Jerry Lynn. And your podcast is called Front Row Material with you and Mikey Whipwreck, sharing stories from your days at ECW. And Mikey and I have been on a hiatus. Okay. Yeah, we just took a little break, but our other co-host and a few of his buddies are keeping it going until Mike here are done with our hiatus. Sometimes family stuff gets in the way. <laughs> so. I get you. I That's get you. one of the great things about you is you prioritize your family. The amount of stories I hear about Annabelle is just fantastic. <laughs> oh, her and Pam, they, they keep me humble, I'll tell you. <laughs> you can a find ball breakers there. <laughs> you can find front row material wherever you listen to your podcast. It's free, just like AEW Unrestricted. We're also available wherever you get your podcasts and new YouTube videos uh, every Monday morning. You can check us out. Definitely just search AEW Unrestricted. Also, please do not forget, because he's making it happen, Jerry Lynn 
Tony Schiavone, Aubrey Edwards, all on AEW Dynamite every Wednesday on TNT at 8, 7 Central. And we've got Elevation Monday nights, and we got Dark on Tuesday nights, all on our YouTube channel. My name is Tony Schiavone. My name is Aubrey Edwards. Thank you very much, Jerry Lynn, for being with us, and you've been listening to AEW Unrestricted. Yeah.